This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Folks, we may have found the only sport wherein biological males do not have an advantage, and wait till you see how we found out. Next, average Joe Brandon over there is rolling up in an electric vehicle that costs more than the average American makes in a year, but damn it, hug the trees anyway. And last but not least, Steph Curry is all about equality and affordable housing, just not anywhere near him. Let's crown the losers of the week, shall we? The show starts now. It's a conundrum as old as, well, around 2019. How do liberals reconcile their feminist empowerment movement with their need to placate the radical LGBTQ mafia? Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, they, thems, and it's not like this. What you're taking in there is the world's first, and after this quite possibly last, transgender figure skater Mina Maria. When she was a he, he picked up the sport at the nimble age of 49, and now at age 57, and as a female, she performed during the opening ceremony of the European Figure Skating Championships in Finland, and it didn't go so hot. But everyone had to pretend it was fantastic because accepting reality would be transphobic and bigoted and would activate and piss off the Rainbow Mafia, of course. Folks, perhaps we found the sport biological males do not have an advantage in, or perhaps... This person should not be and would not be performing at a professional level if not for its useless accolade of declaring itself trans and then putting on a skirt. For the love of God and the clown show, the emperor has no clothes, people, and it's okay to say it. Rainbow Mafia be damned. But on to my next loser of the week, someone who is also undeserving of the position he was vote by mailed into, Joe Biden, of course. Here's Joe posing in the new Hummer EV, which costs between $87,000 and $110,000, depending on the model. That's far more than the median American salary for those who still choose to work of about $56,000 per year. Oh, and to add insult to injury, the Hummer EV Joe is so smugly posing in does not actually qualify for that measly $7,500 tax credit anyway, since it costs more than the $80,000 threshold, but still less than one of Hunter Biden's paintings. But beyond all of that, I'm mostly concerned that Joe Biden is behind the wheel and allowed to drive, especially without his mask. And sadly, I don't think that Hummer is going to fit in his garage, and that's what you call a Hummer bummer. But on to my final loser of the week, the fifth highest paid athlete in the entire world, Steph Curry. Yes, the NBA superstar and notable Joe Biden supporter is actively working to keep an affordable housing development out of the vicinity of his $30 million Atherton, California mansion. In a letter to town officials, he and his wife Aisha wrote, We hesitate to add to the not-in-our-backyard literally rhetoric, but we wanted to send a note before today's meeting. Safety and privacy for us and our kids continues to be our top priority and one of the biggest reasons we chose Atherton as home. Well, imagine that. Steph Curry, a social justice warrior and uplifter of the oppressed and disenfranchised, doesn't want peasants too close to his mansion and family. And it gets better. Not only does he not want them housed near him, 
He petitioned the local government to build fencing and shrubbery around their home to keep the peasants from seeing him if he couldn't block them from joining the neighborhood entirely. I mean, this is some LOL, WTF, OMG stuff right there. Fifth highest paid athlete in the world wants the city to fund fencing and bushes to keep the poor from looking at him. Also odd coming from a Biden supporter, given those kind of folks insist walls don't work. But this just goes to show rich liberals love equality and opportunity for the less fortunate, so long as it's not anywhere near them. Ain't that something? Still ahead, George Soros funneled $40 million into DA races, but that's just a drop in the bucket. What is his sinister plan and how do we stop it? The man behind the curtain author, Matt Palumbo, tells us what we need to know next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. If you don't know who George Soros is, you better get familiar because he's almost single-handedly funding the destruction of our nation with the help of idiots like Joe and Kamala, of course. But not only did George Soros pump $40 million into local DA races, he had more than a 90% success rate of installing the activist DAs he funded into office. But it doesn't end there. In the run-up to the 2022 midterm, Soros donated $140 million into far-left groups and causes. So what is his goal? What is the end game? And is it too late to stop him? Joining me now is the man behind the curtain author, Matt Palumbo. Matt, it's great to talk to you. I saw you the other morning on Fox and Friends First, and what an important discussion and conversation. So I want to just jump right in. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, I, I saw you on After Me reacting and we kind of had the same conclusion. It's just evil. I mean, this is not, you know, your neighborhood Democrat who wants teachers to earn a few more on their pension. This is calculated evil. And and the, the, the reason we know it is, is because, you know, I've laid out the data. Um, and I, my talking point used to be Soros has never responded to me and, and tried to dispute it. He actually just one of his um, vice president of communications at his Open Society Foundation and his son just tweeted out a very lengthy thread complaining about me. But again, never actually disputed a single thing I said. So there's no there's really no justifying what he did. There's he makes no real attempt to explain his motives. He just uses weasel words like I support freedom and democracy, which really just means he supports what he thinks those words mean, which is the opposite. Right. For those that are not familiar with George Soros, we hear this name and it's almost like a boogeyman. And it has been for several years. People know his name. They know he's got a lot of money, but they really don't know how to connect the dots here. For, for those that are unfamiliar, can you give us a little backstory of George Soros and why he is so invested in American politics? Because for a lot of people, they don't know the origin story here. Right. Well, his origin story is in finance. Um, he moved to America actually to pursue a goal in finance. And his goal was I'll make $100 million and then leave. Um, unfortunately, he's into the many, many tens of billions and has not left. Um, but over the years, he spent something like $20 billion on our politics. And the, I think the reason he moved into American politics is because he had so much success in European politics. Um, actually, one of the talking points they they gave to me was Soros. He's not like a, he's not that far left because he helped the Soviet Union become capitalist. And I actually cover that in the book and point out that, well, w what did he actually do to help the Soviet Union 
go capitalist. He they had all these state assets that used to be owned by the communist government. They had to find bidders for them. And what do you know? Soros bought them for pennies in the dollar. So that's that's him say, you know, ending communism is his him profiting by buying up state assets, uh, you know, for a fraction of a penny. Um, so I, I think he just had a lot of success there. And, you know, I, I cover a lot of other European countries in the book. I, I cover Ukraine, for instance, which, you know, it doesn't tie into Zelensky, but you see there is an enormous amount of corruption there. And you could see how uh, maybe not the best people to trust with $100 billion, despite what, uh, you know, Piers Morgan or Bill Browder will say. But uh, there are uh, one of the points I make in the or one of the things I document in the book is there are and it's one of those you can't make this up kind of things, there are anti-corruption organizations and watchdogs in Ukraine that are founded and funded by George Soros that work with our FBI and CIA. And they are so entrenched uh, there and here that if you look at the, the charging documents for the first Trump impeachment, uh, one of them is cited four times in the documents, um, you know, after the whistleblower complaint. So he has an enormous amount of influence. And that is influence he set up 30, 40 years ago that is now that came back to help him in recent memory. Yeah, what's really troubling to me is how much of an impact he's been able to have because he has done something so genius that most conservatives, most Republicans are, I guess, unfamiliar with how to do. It seems pretty fundamental, but he goes to the local level. He doesn't focus on national races, trying to get Biden elected, although there's some of that. What he does and does so effectively is funding these DA races, getting these activist liberal DAs into office at the local level, at the state level. And that's something that he's been able to do with immense and incredible success. How is something like that combated? We don't have the, maybe the donor on our side like a George Soros. We have a collective of them, sure. But how do we combat his influence, especially at that local level? Well, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. The reason it works so well for him is because no one pays attention to local politics at all. Uh, the turnout is usually going to be in the single digits or the low teens. Um, and you can really use that in our favor and just say, well, hey, yes, he has all this money. But if we can somehow target even 5% of the population or smear him as, you know, smear them as a Soros candidate, that will be successful. In fact, in, in Hungary, they invested hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars and you know, I don't think we should go, you know, use taxpayer dollars here, but I would like to see someone fund a similar project um, in attacking Soros. There, there was a time in Hungary where if you walked into a public bus, uh, there would be a, a, a photo of Soros's face on the ground for people to step on. Um, that is the length that they went to demonize Soros. Um, I am simply saying we need an education campaign and the facts are already on our side. So all we really need to do is, you know, put it in bullet put form of this guy's backing our raises. Here's how much crime has gone up wherever he's been. And it's, you know, in 2020, it was mostly a doubling in the cities he was in, and it's gone up since then. Uh, and these are the effects. It's, it literally never goes the other way. So which would you rather have? Uh, and we saw even in San Francisco, which is, I think, probably the most left-wing part of the country. I don't think they've, I, I think the stat is that I don't think a Republican has got more than 20% of the vote in a century. It's something like that. And even, even Soros was too much for them. So right. it, we, we have an uphill battle, but it is winnable. It's winnable if we actually do the work. But going Correct. back to this motivation, I believe that he's evil, but it doesn't yeah. still make sense to me and to a lot of average Americans who hear the name George Soros and what he's been able to do. It doesn't make sense to us why he would want to get these liberal activist DAs into office and have rampant crime that's going on in our country right now. It doesn't make sense as to why that's so important to him to cause that chaos and that, and that mayhem. And I said it on Fox and Friends after you were on. I said, hey, listen, he wants to create chaos because he's evil and he's got a lot of money. Yeah. But beyond yep. something like that, is there more to it? 
I mean, I, I know there's also got to be a financial motive. I mean, we could say similarly, like, you know, why do Democrats give welfare and cause dependency knowing that it'll actually make people off worse in the long run? And it's like, well, for them, it just buys votes. So the cost per taxpayer to them is low enough where it doesn't really affect them and they get a benefit. Uh, with Soros, the strategy could even be trying to recreate the country in his own image from chaos to sort of break down you know, the, the, the current system. And a, a lot of what he funds does... Uh, rob Americans' trust in, in, in current institutions. We saw that with the defund the police push in 2020. And, and actually, if you look at the actual numbers in 2020, it, compared to Europe, compared to the rest of the world, we had something like 30% fewer cops per person. So the defund the police movement came when we were already at a 30% deficit. It was compounding on, on top of that. We would actually have to hire a couple hundred thousand more cops just to be even with Europe. Um, so so everything is just in the opposite um you know, uh, side of progress, really. No, it, it seriously is. And I want to separate some fact from fiction as well, because I know that you literally wrote the book on this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion as to what George Soros funded, and there's a lot of murmurings of what he's funded. So I want to get to the bottom of some of it. Back in the summer of love 2020, when pallets of bricks were just showing up mm -hmm. in these cities for Antifa mm -hmm. and BLMers to use to attack officers mm -hmm. and their fellow citizens, was that in part funded by George Soros? Because that was the theory largely put out there. And, you know, it, it sounds pretty logical. So I don't have like a direct link and a group I can name, but he it, it would be likely in that. And what he does that is I, I thought was, I don't know, cute or brilliant, but he I think he wanted plausible deniability that he was funding Black Lives Matter. So he donated like $40 million to a web of groups that, you know, it won't be called Black Lives Matter, but it's, you know, the movement for the advancement of black lives. And you look at all their their ideologies and their foundations, and it's basically a clone of Black Lives Matter with a different name. Um, and you kind of notice that a lot of these leftist protests, it'll look like there's dozens of very small groups there, yet all their signs look like they were made by the same people. Um, those are the people I, I highly suspect are Soros funded. And I, I say suspect because a lot of his funding is indirect in that he will farm out, you know, tens of millions to groups like the Tides Foundation uh, and other groups, which are almost like smaller versions of his Open Society Foundation. So he farms out the money to them. They might give it to a dozen groups, but because they gave the money, we can't, we don't know. It's like money laundering, but the Soros version. So we, we can't exactly prove where it went, but it's quite likely. Yeah, in the summer of 2020, there were a lot of folks talking about paid activism, people being mm -hmm. paid to show up to these events yeah. to cause mayhem and destruction and all things of that nature. And George Soros' name obviously came up, as it should. Another thing yeah. that people kind of blamed on George Soros, and I want to know if there's any truth to this, at least to your knowledge, these busloads of illegals, uh, the caravans, when now they're just walking across, I mean, now it's a free-for-all. <laughs> but back during the Trump administration, so, uh, it was caravans. Was that in part George Soros? So it's a similar answer with the web of groups, but actually near the end of the book, I talk about a lot of his international influence and he has funded caravan like like caravans from Latin America and and legal groups that have aided caravans. So, uh, you know, he, everything he's done that I know of would suggest actually, yes, um, but you know, I don't know the name of a group, but it is that category of funding is something he absolutely has done. And I, you know, I got the names of some, you know, random foreign groups you would have never even heard the name of in the book. Yeah, it all seems so just disjointed. Like he really does mm -hmm. just want to throw things at the wall, see what sticks and just cause a lot of mayhem because he can. He literally is like a yeah. villain out of a comic strip. That's what this guy is like to me. He is a boogeyman. But what's odd to me 
is that although he supports these Democrat causes, you don't really see prominent Democrats cozying up to him. You don't see him standing next oh. to Joe Biden, or at least mm -hmm. that I've seen, like some of the other folks that have donated and are big players and big names. Why is that? Well, I think it's sort of an optics check to some extent. They they know how that's going to get not even spun, just presented. Um, you know, it, Soros or um, Hillary Clinton, I mean, and this is well over a, a decade and a half ago, had actually appeared at fundraisers publicly with Soros. But you are correct. There's been a, a less of him in public. And to be fair, the other reason could be his age. Um, if you go on his son, Alexander Soros's Instagram account, it is a who's who of Democrats. Every pundit, politician, person you see on MSNBC, it looks like it's one big party with him. So he is uh, sort of a Soros ambassador to the Soros empire, it seems. Um, and, th and they are still being briefed. A and also, too, there was actually a story in Fox recently of, of a higher up at the Open Society Foundation, who I think they had 13 uh, records of visits to the White House. So there, even though if there's not photographic proof, which he's smart not to have, uh, there is proof that they're, they're entwined with him. Yeah, well, certainly they love his money. They love what he's doing to our yep. nation because they share similar goals at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Uh, any Republicans that are beneficiaries of George Soros' money or influence? Because we know there's a lot in the swamp. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Republicans are not immune to this kind of thing. Are there any notable that you've discovered along the way that might uh, raise the hair on the back of our neck? I'm drawing a blank on the name. There's only one example in the book, and it was one of those. It was trying to position itself as like a Republican environmental group. But it's this weird psychological strategy where people are more likely to accept a belief that contradicts their ideology if it comes from someone with their ideology. So there are groups that will try to be like, yeah, we're Republicans for abortion or for gay, but for gay marriage or, or whatever group. And it's like they just know people are more receptive to hear it from someone who they think shares their values. So I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name. It's obviously, I hate to you know, plug the book for 9,000th time, but it is, it is in there. Um, but yeah, so there are examples where he might fund a group masquerading as a center-right group to try to appeal to Republicans as a fellow, it's, you know, how do you do fellow Republicans kind of strategy, but that's the only example I could find. Yeah, an interesting character for sure, and your book seems like a wealth of knowledge and information, and I know yeah. just, just skimming it and what you've written and what you've done for Fox, it is truly, truly fascinating. So I have to wonder, in writing this and covering somebody like George Soros with the money and the influence that he has, you are really pulling back the curtain on a man like this yeah. and his empire. Do you ever have fear for your life, for your safety, anything like that, when you're poking around in the George Soros of it all? Well, I mean, I, I fully expect an array of hit pieces, but besides, nothing physical. I mean, I, the I don't know if I'm being too logical here, but I think it would be a bit too obvious if something were to happen of that nature. Um, and I, you know, I can't think of any past critics that have had that problem. Um, well, that I know of, I should say. The, the most recent book was uh, the Shadow Party back in 2010, and I don't think they had any issues themselves. So, but but we'll see for better or for worse, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that if you you're covering important people with a lot of influence and a lot of money, you just never know. But it's stuff that needs to be exposed because the majority of Americans, even if they have heard George Soros's name, they don't understand the extent that this man has a grip on our nation, on our politics. And like you said, he is beatable. We just yeah. don't want to do the hard work, especially at the local level. So we're not really mm -hmm. even fighting him. There's plenty of Republicans, plenty of conservative groups, plenty of independents with a lot of money that could counter someone like this. We just choose not to, and then we blame everything, <clears throat> excuse me, on George Soros. But, you know, in conclusion, if you were able to talk to Americans that don't really know anything about George Soros or why they should be concerned about him, what would you tell them? 
I would say, you know, the the most dangerous thing about him is a lot of his control of the media and the narratives he funds. Um, for instance, I someone was, was making the point about immigration recently that, you know, we want more assimilation, but given the current landscape, what would assimilation look like? And his point was like, well, you know, the liberals really control everything. Um, they control the education system, they control the media, they control enter, uh, en entertainment, movies, music, et cetera. And Soros is just him influencing the media um, to further leftist causes is just furthering that. And it is to the explicit purpose of brainwashing a generation and fracturing a society. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say when you are reading news and especially left wing news, which is most of it, just be very cognizant of what the message is. And especially when it's a very hot button topic, read it as if the conclusion was written before the, the article. So when you see Van Jones saying five black cops killing a black guy is because of white people, just read it as if he was forced at gunpoint to come to that conclusion and you go, oh, OK, this makes a lot more sense. That's why you have to do this to yourself. But th that's sort of how I've been going about it. Um, and, then, and then, too, another thing is um, don't accept the left's framing. Um, one thing they've done very well is they've made criticism of Soros a conspiracy theory. Right. Um, in one of the New York Post articles, I mocked them for calling all criticism of him anti-Semitic. And the, in their response thread to me, accused me of being anti-Semitic and said, it's my fault that people call me that. So it's just, it, 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 you, you can't win with these people, but don't accept the phrasing. Don't accept the insults. Just do your own research and, and know these people only have your worst in mind. I'm glad that you brought that up because when people do talk about George Soros and they mention the name, automatically it's like you said, voter fraud, or it's yes. like you said, January 6th. All of a sudden you're now a conspiracy theorist, but this is very yep. real, very real money, very real influence. And your book is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us and for educating so many people that need it. Matt, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, I'd love to come back. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Still ahead, illegals are demanding luxury hotels in New York City because, of course, what do you expect when you roll out the red carpet for people who have no legal right to be here? My final thoughts are next. Well, folks, would you look at that? So-called asylum seekers are protesting on the streets of New York City after being evicted from their taxpayer-funded luxury hotel rooms. Of course, they don't want to leave their cushy Hell's Kitchen and Times Square pads complete with room service and amenities to go where they should have been sent all along, a migrant center in Brooklyn. That's not lux enough for people who claim they had to flee to the USA due to oppression, death, despair, and threat to life they face in their home countries. Yeah, asylum seekers, my ass. And keep in mind, most of these illegals being asked to leave are adult males who were given free rooms at the $300 per night Hell's Kitchen Watson Hotel. Well, they refuse to vacate because that's how entitled and emboldened they are and instead are choosing to protest outside of the hotel joined by so-called migrant activists. Well, here's an idea, activists. Why don't you house their asses? Take one for the cause for the social justice team. Or here's another idea. There are plenty of wealthy celebrities in New York City that fancy themselves social justice activists and immigration supporters. I'm, I'm waiting to find out because all of these states that have sent us folks, because they're mad that, that people don't come directly to New York, they're mad that people are, are coming, you know, by bus. and mm -hmm. All these states get money. I don't understand why Texas is a share in some of that money. The federal government money. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to do that, 
That's where I would go yeah. for them. Colorado, listen, I know you sent all these folks, maybe you didn't realize, but you need to send some cash. Because yeah. you're doing exactly now what you're accusing the federal government of not doing. You're doing the same thing. So I want to see somebody say, hold up. Either we all take this money and we give it to all the states and people deal with it because everybody's getting it, or you're not going to get it and we're going to have a big fight. Yeah. Somebody has to, there has to be an adult in the room, and my concern is that there isn't, and there's not going to be for some time. We'll see what they do. I we can I, do nothing I but sit Hakeem and watch. Well, how about it, Whoopi? Got some room in your pad for these downtrodden, able-bodied, legal immigrant adult males? I'm sure Joy Behar does. Or, or, would that be a safety risk for you? Newsflash, how do you think the good-paying customers of these luxury hotels feel being forced to room next to largely unvetted and certainly undocumented illegals from around the frickin' world? They had to pay drug cartels to get over here so as to suck off American taxpayers, but now the conditions at the migrant center aren't good enough? Maybe the solution to end all of this is to send them to Steph Curry's neighborhood in Atherton, California. This whole thing would be over real quick. Oh, but here's NYC Law and Order Mayor Eric Adams assuring y'all that these illegals are being treated like the American dreamers he thinks they are. It doesn't matter if it's Ellis Island or the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal or it's any of our ports. Uh, it is all rooted in an American dream. You pursue the dream here. And when you meet someone like Wilson and you walk through, I just had to come here when I started hearing all the rumors about it was too cold. Uh, <laughs> My brother got on shorts, he's inside, it's warm inside. Uh, about uh, the food not being there, uh, you know, healthy food, is presence, even the snacks are healthy. Well, shoot, Eric, that crisis center isn't a four-star hotel, but it sure looks a hell of a lot more cushy than the benches homeless veterans are sleeping on in parks in the dead of winter. This is also infuriating, it really is. You know our country is being run by total imbeciles when illegal immigrants feel emboldened to demand luxury stays in fancy hotels. Asylum seekers, my ass. Deport now. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.